0: Praise the Lord. Today we're going to
1: discuss the topic of
0: handling desperate situations. Handling desperate situations. And our text scripture is 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 18 through 16. And the, of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering her sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise, And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said. But make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after, make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and he and her house did eat many days, and the barrel of meal wasted not. Neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, the precious name of Jesus, we praise and thank you, Lord, for giving us the awesome opportunity to partake of your word. And we thank you, Father, that as you would minister to our hearts and minds through the word of God, that as we're going through various situations on a daily basis, Situations that may be associated with trials that are uh, being endured in our lives. We ask you right now, Father, to pour out your strength, your wisdom, uh, your insight, your peace, and your provision upon us. And we see you in glory and honor, Father, that you who started a good work in us will complete it. We don't have to be concerned about the things that surround us or the lack of things in our lives, but as we trust in you, Father, we will learn that you can meet every need and get us out of desperate situations. So we praise and thank you, Father, for this. Praise for the things we we'll learned today. And we we'll just give you the glory and honor that not only will we be able to abide by them, but there's people in our lives that are also struggling. We'll be able, able to speak a word into their life that will refresh, motivate, and give them peace as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. So we see here... The prophet Elijah was instructed by God to go to his town of Zarephath and to meet up with his widow and ask her to take care of him. And the funny thing is, is, you know, if you really go according to the traditions at the time, it really doesn't make sense for a man to go to a single, even though she's a widow, a, one, a woman's house to go stay and eat. Because that would be, seem to be an unseemly thing. Like, why was he instructed to go to a man's house, a single man's house, or to the house of a couple, a man and wife? Why would God send him to a place where there was a woman and people could look and be like, whoa, what's up with that? But God doesn't necessarily deliver his people um, based upon our thinking. And even more so, we, we see here that the more important thing was, instead of seeing it according to how society have viewed it, God saw a need in the, widow, in the widow woman, and he was providing her a means of, of sustaining herself and her son because a man wasn't there in her life. Matter of fact, they were in a situation where things were so hard, and even she had a husband that was still alive, they still may not have built to meet it. So God loved her enough that he saw a need, and he sent the prophet there to interact with her, and not only spare her, but to sustain her throughout the times of the drought. Amen. Amen. So, but one of the first things we see here in our text scriptures is that God said that He's going to command him. Actually, no, we take it back. God says, "Behold, I've commanded a widow woman there to sustain him." And the funny thing about that is that he gets there to town. He's meeting the woman for the first time. So one of the things that I'm revealed to me is that sometimes God can command you to do something you're not even aware that you're called to do yet. Amen? But if you're positioned at the right time at the right moment for that perfect, Godly-ordained opportunity, you could be the person that God can use. It's about us having a heart that even if God hasn't deliberately spoken into our mind and our heart and it's something he's called for us to do, we need to have ourselves positioned spiritually so that we can hear from God, so we can be positioned at the right place, and that we can be available for the time ahead. So the first thing we're going to look at is that God can command you to bless someone before you even realize it. As I said, that text scripture, God said that he commanded the widow of Zarephath to sustain Elijah. This is before he, she even met the man. <laughs> I'm commanding you to bless him, to sustain him, give him room and board, give him food. Here you are in the midst of a drought, starving, some total strangers coming up and you're supposed to was him, And God said, I'm committing you to do it. She doesn't know his character. She doesn't know what he looks like. She doesn't know anything. But the Spirit of God in her life is basically speaking a word to her saying that I need you to go to this place at a certain time and to be available to interact with this person that I want to use as a vessel to bless your life. So she was there. She was positioned. He arrived to town. And as we see here, the Word of God says that she was Gathering steps. That word gathering means to forage. And foraging is the process of looking around a wide area, trying to find food and provision. And when they first engaged in conversation, he says, hey, woman, I pray thee," or In other words, please give me some water to drink. And as most of us would do, if somebody says, you know, in the midst of a drought, and in the midst of a time where there's not a lot of food, give me some water to drink, you might say, well, uh, water's you know, still in pretty good supply, so I can get some water. So she goes to give him the water. But then he has the nerve to say, oh, by the way, as you go going to get that water, a brother can use a little grub, too. <laughs> Isn't that like people, they ask you for one thing, they want 10, ten other things. <laughs> So the water, in other words, is kind of a setup. Give me some water. And as she's engaging on the mission to bring him back a cup of drink, oh, by the way, fix me up something to eat while we have it. So she is, she's gathering, she's, she's looking for sticks. She's going a wide, the wild area, she, a wide area. She's peeking through here and poking through there. And here this man comes and has a nerve to say, Give me something to eat. In other words, give me something that is in hard supply. Give me something that's in demand even for yourself. Let me have that. Matter of fact, make me a priority over you and your little boy. If you really think about it, that's a lot of nerve. Give me some food. Now, I already told you I'm starving. You got the nerve to ask me for some food. But here's one of the things that the, the Word of God tells us about a mindset. Because so I really don't think so much about the food and the water. As it was in the attitude, and as it was in her having a heart to be positioned in the right place to meet Elijah, and also having a heart that, in the midst of me, scraps, scraps, looking for scraps, and forging, and trying to find food, and I looked under this bush, nothing, and I walked over here, oh, it's dry, and everything's going on. Just to have the mindset, the heart, and the character to say, even in the midst of this, I will engage a total stranger in conversation and offer him anything shows you that she was a woman that had a godly heart. So let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verses 6 through 11 and we're going to see how God looks at people in terms of the heart. Amen? The heart is so much more important than the actual resources, than the economy, than all the things that are going on in your life. It's more about the heart, the attitude that you have overall as it relates to giving. So 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 11 says, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he hath purpose in his heart so soweth him did, not grudgingly or of necessity For God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, And multiply your seed, sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being rich in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. And there's several things here that are very important as it relates to the widow of Zarephath. It says here that every man according as he purposes in his heart. Amen. That word, purposes, means to choose or prefer for oneself or to intend. So it's not so much about the fact of whether or not you actually give to somebody. It's what is your mindset as it relates to giving. In other words, I have a mindset that whether the opportunity comes or not for me to bless somebody today, from my heart, from my speech, from my behavior, from my finances, from my resources surrounding me, Whether I actually get an opportunity from God to do it or not is one thing, but even more so, it's about me having a mindset that if the opportunity presents itself, I intend to be used by God. That's way more important, amen? Amen. It's the mindset, it's an attitude, it's a thought process, it's a way of living, that it doesn't matter whether the opportunity presents itself, if it does, use me, Lord. I'm willing and able and uh, available at your command. So the word will of Zarephath, even before Elijah the prophet came there, she was already spiritually and mentally and emotionally prepared to bless him because that was actually a part of her nature. She was a giving person. And being the fact that she had that type of attitude, God says, I see that you're giving in your heart already. Now I going to set the stage to open up the door so you can literally give, not only to be a blessing to somebody else, but also so I can bless you from the perspective of you reaping from your giving heart. And that's exactly why the woman of Zarephath really didn't have anything to worry about. And we, if we're going through times of lack, times of discomfort, in times in which we're out and out, broke, we don't have to view things according to how the world sees them, but we can be generous, you know, according to how God leads us and God sets up opportunities. And here's the reason why. In verse 10 it says, he administers seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food. We're all familiar with the, the parables about the sower. The sower has seeds. The sower drops the seeds on the ground. Then there's different types of ground. Some stony, some of the birds, that, some that get choked, some that's hard. And then there's good soil in which the seed goes into the ground and grows and produces a harvest. We're all very familiar with the sower. But one thing that we don't usually think about is that before the sower can dispense his seed, he first has to receive the seed from the one, as we see here, that ministers seed to the sower in the first place. Amen? Yeah. So this is where it's important for us to be cheerful in terms of our attitude and our intention to bless the lives of others. God, the one that ministers seeds to the sower is looking for somebody that if I give you seed, you're not going to freely hoard it for yourself but have the mindset that I want to plant it into the life of somebody else. So God is the one. That word minister. Means to aid, to fully supply, to contribute to, or to furnish. Once again, it means to aid, to fully supply, to contribute to, or furnish. So we see here God has no problem whatsoever with a cheerful person giving. giving, Amen. Amen. He's like, I'm the one that's going to supply you anyway. And matter of fact, not only will I supply you, but I will supply you fully. That's why the woman. She thought, I'm just scavenging for a little scraps of food to feed me and my son. God's in this situation saying, well, I got some ideas to give Amen? Let me position her so that when the prophet, my servant, comes to town and needs something to eat. Let me make sure she's positioned in the right spot so they can meet. And now, he can place a demand upon her. And based upon the demand that comes upon her, I don't have anything to give the prophet, but I want him to respond to it She opens the pipeline, so now the sower of the seed pours it out to the sower, and bam, she can now give the prophet Elijah what he needs. God's looking for somebody with a giving heart. Amen? So when you're in desperate circumstances, that's not the time to surround the wagons, cover yourself up, cling on to everything you have for dear life. Amen? If you're struggling, you've got to remember, as I've said a 1,000 times before, the word for cover to come about seeds. Amen? Yeah. What a man sows, he shall reap. Matter of fact, it says you not only reap, but you will reap bountifully. In other words, you will reap a lot more than you gave out. Yeah. The book of Genesis tells us that the principle of the seed, that what the, produce, the seed produces is in itself. Amen? So if I'm giving out love, I'll have to look for love. I'm giving of it, it automatically like has explode, grow, and bring back more love. I'm looking for friendship. Be a friend. Because it's going to produce a seed after it's own kind. I need money? Put that money into some godly friend. It produces after it's own kind. can't help but gives you back money. Everything you need is based upon the principle of seed. Even mankind, secular mankind, knows that. What do you think the stock market's about? What do you think banks are about? It's the principle of seed. I put my money into something, I expect to get a return on my investment, an ROI. Only problem with the second overall system is that sometimes they invest in something that is not viable or feasible. Or you have somebody handling your wealth, like a hedge fund manager that misuses mis- your funds, steals it, and it goes off with you. But in God's economy, you can take your seed, invest it, and it's always going to be in good ground. And the one who gave the seed in the first place to dispense, now will multiply and guarantee you that you get some kind of return on your investment. Amen? He guarantees it. So we don't have to sit here like this. Uh-uh. I'm down to my last loaf of bread. I don't even really like the end pieces. But I'm, somebody asked me that end piece, right now, hey, man, but us that I piece that end pieces. My last two pieces of bread, I'm eating. Amen? You can be down to. <laughs> I heard somebody the other day on Christian radio. He was talking about back in the day they had a long um, mayonnaise mayonnaise sandwich. <laughs> you pretend to breathe in it. You bite mayonnaise sandwich. I'm imagining ooh, nice thick pieces of sandwich. Sandwich. <laughs> wish, a wish sandwich. I wish I had some meat in the sandwich. But in God's economy, if you have a heart to give. He says, I'm the one that ministers seed to the sower in the first place. So take the seed you have, knowing that God's going to replenish you. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Here's something very interesting. It tells us every man according as he purposes intends, intends in his heart to give. In other words, he's not grudging. He's not doing it of necessity. You know what necessity is here? I give because I feel like. God doesn't want you to give because you feel you have to. He wants you to give because in my heart it makes me feel warm, makes me feel good, it makes me feel like I'm a part of the same type of blessings that God has extended to my life. He wants you to be cheerful about it. And here's the interesting thing about the word cheerful. The underlying Greek word is hilaras. Hilleras. Sound familiar? Hilarious. It's where they were hilarious. God wants you to be hilarious about giving. He wants you to be so cheerful that you see somebody need, and you give it to them. <laughs> this is an extreme exaggeration. But you see somebody starving for food. Somebody needs peace or healing your life. God wants you to be so cheerful that it's almost like, <laughs> here's your food. I'm just so happy about giving that. It. It's hilarious to me. I'm enjoying it so much. I'm just bent over with joy at the fact that I can give into the life of somebody else. Not so much about the process, but in the fact that I know it makes him please. Amen? And I know that as I've dispensed the seed that he's given to me, he has more than enough seeds to give. We see in verse 9 it says, He has dispensed abroad. God's not running out of resources to dispense. But see, what the devil tries to do, what our flesh tries to do, when we're in a situation where we're lacking resources, we think, from a fleshly perspective, well, if I give up the little bit I have, how am I going to get through? Mm-hmm. This just came to my mind. I was at South Park years ago. And, um, in East, and one day I was driving to work, and I used to actually drive past the church on the way to work. So this one day... As I was driving by, I just looked at the building as I was heading past. And as soon as I looked at the building, I heard the Lord speak. He said, go give so-and-so $25. And I hadn't even identified that the person's car was there or anything like that. But I just know, as soon as I, as I was driving by, I turned my head to the right, because the building's on the right. As soon as I turned my head to the right, the Lord was like, give so-and-so $25. So I turned in, I hesitate. I questioned it. And I went in there, and of course with my personality, I found a person that's expected. Say, yeah, yeah. hey, hey, so so, how's everything going? And she's like, fine. I was like, oh, okay, are you sure? She said, yeah. I said, you're really positive about that. She said, yeah, everything's fine. I was like, okay. I was like, well, the are told me you to hospital. You don't need it, I guess I'm out of here. It wasn't hurting yeah. me. And as soon as I said that, her mouth dropped open. She's like, oh, are you kidding me? I said, no, I said, I was driving my highway, I was taking you $25. She said, Brian, she said, I literally had to get somebody that was in need my last $25, and I was trying to figure out how am I going to get through the rest of the week. So the Lord had me immediately turn in her and give her the exact money that she had given to somebody else. And she said that was all she needed to get to, to payday." But she's like, how am I going to get the rest of the week? I need mean, gas, you know, I, I have like little smiles I need to get you to pay them. $25 a cover, and now God told me to give this $25 to somebody else. Now we've got there. And he uses me driving by, give this person $25. Amen. And God knew beforehand that. Brian drives by here on the way of work. I'm going to make sure my servant my got $25 in his can Give her to so him. like, well, I'll give her $25. I don't have it. God had them all lined up. Why? Because he that ministered seed to the sower both ministered bread for your food and multiply your sheep so and he also dispersed everything abroad so god was not worried about the need of the person who this female blessed he's not worried about the person that gave being blessed and he wasn't worried about me being prepared to bless her which didn't correctly bless her after she blessed her he had it all lined up so all we had to do is what had the mindset, despite the circumstances that we were in, to have the mindset of somebody that purposes in their hearts that I want to give, even though it may, not, may seem like a place where I can't afford to do it. Amen? Amen. God lines everything up. I think I shared before, one time we were really struggling financially, and Pam to down to do some court reporting with her sister's um, firm just to make some extra money, and we were down like, I had four bank accounts, I think between all four, we had $104, and we had bills lined up that were beyond schedule getting paid. And, you know, she went down there, but she hadn't collected any pay for anything yet, so she goes in to, to her sister's church, they had some uh, missionaries in, came with the purse at $80, took that $80 by faith, without questioning, put it off her bucket. That was all she had on her. Next thing you know my across the street, she comes across and she said, hey, you know, I uh, know you, you're out of work, gave me some, um, uh, a big uh, gallon thing, of type <laughs> liquid detergent. And she said, no, it's not much. You know, gave me $80. I was like, wow. Gave me back the same exact money. Same exact amount that Pam had just given. Now, she's she's hundreds of miles away in another state. There's no way that this woman could have known, not only know what she gave, but knew the exact amount. That tells you that's God's all over that's that's right. Amen. Yeah. And then a few days later in a week, um, this head tried to um, get me to interview for a job. I wasn't looking for a job at the time. I gave him a reference to somebody else. The person interviewed got the job. He calls me up a few days after already blessed by this woman across the street. He calls me up and says, hey, Brian, you know, remember that, that job um, you gave me a reference to um, back in October? I said, yeah. He said, well, guys guy's been there for 90 days, so he said, you're eligible for a referral fee. And he said, you know, we've always had a good relationship. I'll try to, you know, get you the highest amount for the referral fee fee. I can't, I can't um, guarantee anything, but I'll try to get you the highest amount. He said, should we get you at least $500? He said, I can't. I'm going to try for the highest. So I was like, all right, well, okay. Hey. Anything you give me better than the zero that I was expecting. Right. Because I forgot about the situation. So anyway, he gets on the phone, he calls back the other day, hey Brian, I talked to my manager, you know, told him everything, our relationship. He said, he gave me approval, send me a check for eight hundred dollars P B, Just it gets by, God commands by his spirit, the neighbor to come up back, come across the street, give me the ADM is just giving up. Then a few days later, orchestrates it, positions everything, so the recruiter calls me up and gives me ten times a Don't tell me God ain't in the mix of the life of the cheerful giver. Do not tell me. I am not the one. I give you anecdote and anecdote after anecdote, and the, the thing is I don't have to make anything up. I can you over and over and over again about the ways in which God has blessed me for being a cheerful giver. And here's the thing, like I said here, God can command you to bless somebody before you even realize it. God can also command you to position in the right place at the right time. But you have to have the heart of intent. Don't look at your situation from the perspective of, I'm desperate and i got to hold on to everything for dear life and claw and scratch as we saw earlier, manipulate and control and fight and undermine. No, the time of desperation might be the key time to position you for God has sent a man or woman or a situation into your life that will bless and sustain you not only in the day to day, but keep you going perpetually. Amen? But it's a matter of heart how you come out of that situation of desperation, how you handle it, how you proceed on a daily basis. So, what you currently have to give and whether God even commands you to bless others is not as important as in how much you treasure. Being a blessing to others. God abhors people with a charitable mindset. I'm not saying God doesn't love everybody. God loves everybody who's ever born, everybody who's ever planted. But God also has a special affection for people to have a cheerful heart because it's really out of His character. Everything He does is out of a charitable, giving, and loving heart. So He sees somebody has that same mindset, it's very close to His own attributes. And He knows that He can trust you. That if he dispenses abroad to you that you won't just keep it, but you'll also plant it into the lives of other people. And you also use it as an opportunity to let them know about the God that you serve. Amen? So it causes a ripple effect of all these things. God is the only one who can even provide us the ability in the first place to bless others. Amen? And he assures us that he'll multiply our seeds. So, we can plant them in the lives of other people as well as sustaining ourselves. Our Amen? People who have a selfish mindset or hold on to their life to the stuff that they have because if I let this go, I won't have anything else, I really feel that they are missing out on one divine truth. And that is, none of us own anything in the first place. You don't own a thing. So, all the nice clothes y'all got right now, you don't own. Those houses you want to drive home to, the cars you want to drive in, you don't own nothing. You don't own a thing. Want me to prove to you biblically? 1 Corinthians 10, 26. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. You don't own a thing. He has lent it for your use. So if he's lent it to you for your use. Use it in a manner that he appreciates. He respects the earth is the Lord's, and it says here the fullness thereof. In other words, everything that is in it is his property. So, if we're wise investors or users of the things that he owns, then he can entrust us to have more things at our disposal. So, it's easy, like I said earlier. It's easy when a man, a guy, a woman, or whoever comes into your life, when you're struggling, like, you open the door of your fridge, you're like, oh. You say, well, let me take a cupboard. Moss fly out. <laughs> you go downstairs, that little supply that you had, you know, maybe put away some hurricane supplies, and you go in there and say, oh, I know I got a couple of cans of tuna fish, something there. RPL something's available in this time of life. And you go in there like, "Who the kids? They wouldn't hear me out any So you go in there, all of your stuff seems to, to be gone, and then somebody not only has the nerve to ask you for something that's easy for you to get, cup of water, faucet, a the word they go, and they say, "Well, the water just kind of got my." Yeah. Come on, metabolism going. I feel my stomach stirring. You got anything to eat in that fridge? <laughs> that's a hard thing. And that's the moment that the widow of Seraphim had, had. Of course, she didn't have a floss in the refrigerator, but the fact is, he asked her for some water. She's like, that's easy enough. Even in the midst of all this hardship, like, I got plenty of water left. So she goes to give him a cup of water and as her feet are heading to get it. Oh, by the way. You see, it's that by-the-way moment that a lot of us may dread if we have the mindset that I want to hold on to what they, they're asking for, or what, I want to hold on to what I need. As soon as they say, oh, by the way, you feel that little inner friendship. What are they about to ask me? What pressure are they about to apply to me as it relates to my giving? What zone of inconvenience are they going to take me to as they press me further in this demand that they're placing upon my life. And are they going to ask me something that goes beyond my level of convenience to I have to go from the place of being a cheerful giver to maybe saying, no, ain't going to happen. Because see, it's easy when I'm giving the water. So here's the water, God bless you. And they said, oh, it's such a beautiful thing. I need the water they gave it to me. But it's one another thing, together, we say, can you give me some water? God bless you, the water. And then that same cheerful giver, of a Christian, gives them the water and then denies the request for what they really needed, was, which is sustenance for food. Amen. Amen? So that's quite a challenge. And it's quite a test of how much we truly trust him to release that which he has really provided us in the first place. How much do I trust you, God, during my time of hardship? And I'm using examples of food here, but it could be whatever area it is in your life. It could be your finances. It could be your food. It could be the transportation with a car. Again, I can hold on to my car for dear life and get back and forth to work and try to make it, but those side trips that that person needs to ride might put too much a strain on my vehicle. I mean, we all have our different areas in which we suffer lack, and it's like you feel that pressure of people placing a demand on us. Amen? So don't make it all about food. It's whatever area relates to your life. So like I said, it's easy for her to bless him with water, but then he had the audacity to ask her for food. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see what God says about situations in which people are putting a greater demand on us for our cheerful giving nature that we may expect or might feel comfortable in our time of, of lack. Uh, 1 Corinthians. Who? 1 Corinthians 2, 11 through 14. For what knoweth, I'm sorry, for what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things which are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing the spiritual things with the spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. All right, so when people are pressing you in those areas where you're actually struggling yourself and there's a demand for you to relinquish them, let's just face it. Your natural mind really cannot grasp giving in an area in which it's a struggle or a strain on you and you feel like you're holding on for your life. You know, your mind, your emotions will say, hold on to it. Because quite frankly, the nature of mankind is one of self-preservation. So why in the world, if I'm struggling with money, would I have to give up my money? Why in the world, if I'm starving for food, why I give you the last of my food, or even the close to the last of my food? Why in the world would I do that when I'm struggling in the very area that you're placing the demand on me, and I'm hurting and struggling for dear life? Why in the world? Not relinquish that which I have when this alone is not good enough for just for me. So the natural man and your emotions cannot understand that. But as we see here, as Christians, we're not to think according to the natural mind. We're supposed to think according to the spiritual mind, according to the perceptions of God and His Word. And your spirit can confirm that as you're giving things unto people you're actually drawing resources from an inexhaustible source that can sustain both you, the other person, and it can keep you going in the future. So you're taking your eyes off the natural, and you're looking to the one who can supply, and continually supply, and keep the floodgates of the blessing flowing in your life. Matter of fact, as we're talking about resources, if you look at it from, the, the perspective of the word resource being a verb as opposed to a noun. The, the verb resource means to provide a person or organization with materials, money, staff, and other, asset, other assets necessary for effective operation. So my question for us today is, if we believe in God to be the source or our resource above all things, don't you believe that he wants you to be effective in all your endeavors on his behalf? Why in the world would God position you where he wants you to be a blessing in the life of somebody else, but yet you give again, oh look at me, I'm begging on the streets. Does that bring glory to God's name? Does that let you be effective? Does that instill more trust and motivation in you to do it again when the opportunity presents itself? That will further your faith in God. If you were down to your last leg, struggle with your life, and God places upon your heart to do something or to give, Amen. And then all of a sudden you do it, then your life is just short. Where is the testimony in God's provision coming through and not only sustains you, but also allowing you to be a blessing in the lives of other people? Amen. Amen. God's going to make sure He resources you on that have. Now, I have situations where that, that happened. I remember when I was um, self employed and we were really struggling um, through that time. And we have got to the point I shared before where at uh, one point we, we tried to do the um, loan. Um, the, the Obama plan of the load, um, stratification, and things just went like, the out of control, and just lost paperwork, all kinds of nonsense. And, and it was a very hard time. I just remember this one time, I was pursuing this project, and it was for a, a really good amount of money, and I remember praying with that, I was like, Lord, if you give me this project, before I even use anything to pay bills, I'm going to take X dollars, I'm going plan to plant that into the life of this other person. And I prayed, pursued the project, went through negotiations, went up against another team, one day in the project. So I get my deposit check, and it comes. And quite frankly, when, it, when that check came in, I had multiple things that were like going into almost a second month late and everything. So I could pretty much took the whole deposit check, which were thousands, and I could just use it all and still, like, I'm still not out the woods. I need another check. But as soon as that check came in, without questioning it, I said, I dedicated this amount to planting it into the life of this other person. Um, um, so I got that money out. I can't remember I wrote a check, I got that money out. I took that money before I even think about it. I planted a seed into the life of another person. Because I had come to God and I said, if you do this for me, I'm going to do this in the life of somebody else. So I was going to let my natural mind, which, uh, I didn't a promise, dude, but, uh, you see them bills little up? Do you see? hear the phone ringing when we going to get our money? I was like, I didn't give my time to hear it that day. I made a promise to God. I'm going to do this. I went and did it before I didn't even hesitate. Then I came back and said, okay, now see how I can do a little creative juggling to try to get myself out of this and sustain myself and keep things going. And he to say, it is the same. It took years. It was a hard struggle. There were hard times. There was times where I questioned, like, what in the world am I doing here, But God has gotten us to the other side. And my income, I'm at the, actually the highest income of my life. And the thing has, the Lord has restored everything that we lost. Amen. Amen. The main thing is we lost, actually, to be honest with you, we didn't lose anything but a predestined score. We didn't lose a house. We didn't lose any cars. We went on vacations. We ate three square meals and more every day. Amen. The only thing we were really lawful is the electronic credit score, but the Lord restored that. Amen. 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 But it's because we had the mindset that throughout all the process, we always gave to God, and we also gave in the lives of other people. And there's times where we actually helped people that had salary, full-time jobs that were actually making more than me and probably us combined. They were going through stuff financially and a blessing. Some people be like, "It's crazy. They need to handle their money right now. But the need was presented to us. And our heart was like, we're always going to trust you more than our bank accounts and our showers." So we did what we felt we were able to do. Some people might call us foolish. They say, you lost your mind. And you may even call us irresponsible. But we did what we felt God has called us to do. And we've always done this from the day we got saved. Amen. we always been givers. Matter of fact, even before I met him, I was a giver. Me and my friends growing up, we got to age as teenagers, and actually even when I was a day boy, I would go to the store with a friend, and it was a hot summer day. I'm getting some ice cream and one of my friends I'm playing with and, and, and you know doing different things. And I'm going to the store They're like, oh, you going? I to a store. You're going no? No, I am not have any money. I'm like, come on, man, I got mean, you. I was always a giver. So I'm going to stop being a the giver, now I'm a child of God. Yeah. The giver is in. <laughs> so I can't allow circumstances to turn that attitude off. I need to stay that way for life, but for me, it is always work. So like I said, your natural mind may not be able to believe the things that, that you feel God is calling you to do, or position you do, but you have to go by the mind of the spirit, the, the perceptions of God. And most of all, you have to go by the fact that you trust him, that if he's told you to do it, you should go ahead and do it. Amen? So I'm not telling you to be an ATM machine to everybody out there, hitting you up for money or resources or power all the time. I'm saying as the Holy Spirit, you know the voice of God has spoken to you. Trust him that if he spoke for you to do it, you are to do it. He's going to take care of you. And matter of fact, he's probably going to explode blessings in your life as a result of you being obedient to him. So I want to get that straight. I'm not saying that everybody comes to you, you give it to them, and they want no, that one's going to crack, that one's going to the club tonight with your money to you get drunk. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that as the Holy Spirit tells you, plant seed in that person's life. That's when you should respond. Because God may be testing. As a matter of fact, that was my next point. God might test your faith. Amen. Amen. The widow of Zarephath, that's exactly what he did in her life. God knew her need and how empty her cupboard was before she was even sent the prophet Elijah there. God knew that that woman was hurting for food. But God still said, out of all the people there I can send you to, I'm going to send my servant to that house and make a demand upon her. ain't going to just give me water. I want some food. And I want you to go to the next house and say, you got some spare food for a prophet. I'm asking and place a demand upon you the one that an omniscient God knows is scraping for the last meal according to her profession so that she can die, I'm going to send you to her and say, Give me food. So God did he was going and God still sent him to the widow of Zarephath. So God was testing her faith. We see here 1 Peter 1 3 through 7. Blessed be the God. And Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God unto faith, uh, through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found of the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. That word, kept, in verse 5, which says, who are kept by the power of God, the word kept means to be watched in advance, guarded as a sentinel, hemmed in or protected with a garrison. So we see here that God has you hemmed in, guarded with sentinels. Amen? He has you watched in advance. And as we're going through trials and tribulations, we see that even though we may be going through a time of hardship, God looks at us and says, you have an inheritance that is incorruptible, undefiled, and does not fade away. In other words, God sees us all as rich people. is, we don't see ourselves as that. We see and define ourselves based upon the things we're going through right now. And God says, I see you as somebody that has uh, things that are not corruptible, things that never fade away. And I see that you have an inex- inexhaustible amount of resources at your disposal through me. However, I might allow you to go through trials and tribulations just to see the sincerity of your love and trust for me. Amen? So you may not, you may wonder why in the world is God allowing this to happen to you? And God will look at you and say, it's not because I don't love you. It's not because I like seeing you go through hard times, but I'm trying to, first of all, test your faith and produce testimonies out of it. I'm also trying to test your faith so that it, silences the, the accuser of the brethren who's saying, they only love you because you're always doing for them. I'm also testing your faith because I want you to grow, and sometimes you can't grow unless you're stretched, unless you're challenged. Unless you take a couple battle scars and bruises, amen. You can't go through life and have every day easy, 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 and then suddenly know how to handle a verse. Perfect example. I'm not going to use names, but I remember years ago I was at church and um, we were Bible study. All of a sudden, this one mother uh, was talking about a situation with her, her, her child, and her daughter had, had bought a car and. All of a sudden they came and they were talking about the repo going to repo the car. And they were like, what in the hell is going on? I made a payment every month, on time or ahead of schedule. They ended up finding out that their daughter had sent the money every month as cash in an envelope to the car, you know, the, the, the bank note. Something need to say, customer service which should be processing check. We're getting gifts of cash every month. And the mother was like, I feel so horrible that me and my husband are now making arrangements to get it back, you know, it or do something to save the car because it's our fault we never taught her the principles of banking to know how to handle the maturity of not only to drive a car and purchase a car, but also how to pay for the car in such a way that nothing gets breached and your money doesn't get stolen. So they actually label themselves, amen? you know, so sometimes you've got to go through trials and you've got to learn how to handle stuff the right way maturely. Unfortunately, it's cost the parents some with this test, but sometimes you grow when you deal with trials and tests of your faith, and you go through hardship, and you go through situations that may be challenging or even embarrassing. Due to situations, the parents learned certain things they needed to do in terms of the instruction of their daughter. The daughter learned certain things that she was unaware of in terms of how, how to handle not only that situation, but situations in the future. So tests are not good. We don't like them. They challenge us. They annoy us. And as we see here, sometimes tests are even trials of fire that seem to be burning you up. But they are good things because they cause you to grow, and they, they strengthen your relationship with God. And we see here that even though we may be going through those trials, as I said, God, from his perspective, says, I have you hemmed in the whole time. It's just like Nikki had shared beforehand. We might complain about the pebble, but Jesus has blocked all the boulders from the avalanche. Yeah. We don't like the little pebble. Well, <laughs> just take the shoe off and shake it out, and the inconvenience is over. <laughs> Because he's got the real job of blocking the avalanche that would have taken your life. And it's the same thing with a lot of stuff that we ignore. So sometimes we're going through these trials of our faith, We're going through hard times and we're dealing with a desperate situations like when will I get relief? When will I get mercy? And why are you challenging me to be a blessing in somebody else's life? How can I focus on blessing anybody else when I'm going through all this? God might be saying the very road to your deliverance from that situation is in you blessing somebody else. you taking your eyes off yourself. Stop being so self-centered. What if Jesus Christ was self-centered? We don't be heading to hell. He gave himself, and God wants us to give of ourselves, too. But we have to change our thought process as it relates to give. So we see here, as I said, that God has promised us an inheritance that cannot be defiled, and does not fade away in value. And it may not be tangible to us right now, but it is available and at our disposal through faith. As God says "He will be all by these approaches to riches of glory. We need to trust Him in that. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Another thing we see about faith is in the book of James, chapter 1, and we'll look at verses 2 through 8. <clears throat> James 1, 2 through 8. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let it ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given them. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavereth. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So here we see that God might allow our faith to be tried. He says here, instead of us murmuring, complaining, we should count it all joy we see here that you can fall into diverse temptations. And just because you've been tried one way doesn't mean, okay, Lord, I've graduated. I don't need to be tested the rest of my life. We see here there's diverse temptations. So God says, okay, this time around I might let you be tested in your faith. Next time around it could be in your health. The Third time around could be your finances. The fourth time around, let's see, let your relationship be tested thought they were all your friends. Let's so let that be tested. Maybe we're just not even testing the relationship so much as saying, do you trust the relationship more than you do me? Or what is more important? The relationship or me. So God says he would allow us to be tested in different ways. Amen? Amen. And one things we didn't realize is that the trying or testing of our faith works stuff in our life. First thing it works is patience. Because the best way to try our tolerance and our patience is us. We, we were microwave, I call it a microwave generation. You hungry? I mean, back in the day, everything you ate, you either get a knife, two pieces of bread, and doing this, you know, mayonnaise or peanut butter or whatever you're putting on it, and you make yourself a sandwich, and you eat. But you at least had to do enough work that you had to or the arm power grabbing a knife and, and go like this. Nowadays, oh you know, and if you wanted a bigger meal, you had to turn the the pan on on the ice stove. That's if you're lucky. If you're unlucky, you had to get a match, get the gas going, and, whew, light it. Or you had to put the oven on and wait for hours. I mean I remember as a kid, man, you put a pot pie on 45 minutes. Amen. Hey look, and don't eat still be hungry. Yes. <laughs> and you want to put two Popeye's in and you're still hungry but you don't want to wait another 45 minutes Like, I only have to eat two Popeye's and it's too much effort. So, you had to go through something to eat food. But nowadays, we're in the microwave generation. All of a sudden eat, microwave, <laughs> Doop doop beep. Walk, go, make a phone call. Home. Wash my hands, get something to drink watch a little TV, beep! Done. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing when a trial is tribulation. We're so accustomed to everything we fancy you know, that we, we want something to eat at a restaurant. We don't have to go wait for our hostess to call us in to a table and then we gotta sit there and wait for our drink, board, wait for our, you know, the menus and order our entrees. I mean, you don't want to do things slow, you can go to the drive-thru. You call a restaurant like Famous Days of Applebee's, you call them up. I'll have this, 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 this. You drive up, go take out the drive if you want. Everything's quick, 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 quick. So now, (laughs) we want something, we need deliverance from God from something. We expect God to hear our prayer requests. God sticks our prayer requests, regardless of what we're praying about and what our part was in needing to pray in the first place. And that's what really just Somebody get like, out and out being rebellion against God, five, ten years, you know, struck out with drugs, um, in an adulterous <clears throat> relationship, all kinds of stuff. Five, ten years of being like all of in the midst of it. You repent one day, pray once, and God's going to stick that prayer in the wake of <laughs> One minute later, deliver from all that stuff you did. Unchecked for five or ten years of either ignorance or total rebellion. And God's supposed to be like that. What's gonna stop us from going to do it again? If every time you pray, he's going, bing, and, dun. You just go ahead and do it again. Only problem is you might kill yourself. Right. So sometimes you pray to God and He said, No. I don't think you had this struggle in the trenches with that one for a while. So once I deliver you out of it, you say, I do not go back there again. Amen. I do not go back there again. Amen. Amen. Amen? So God will allow your patience to be tried. And we see here, let patience that you develop through the process of enduring trials and tribulations, it says, let patience have its perfect work. And what is its perfect work? That you may be perfect or whole and complete in God and entire Wanting nothing. And the wanting nothing is not necessarily material things. It's basically just like, whether I'm a base or a veil, as Paul said, I know there is to be content. So on my best days, I'm content with God. Wow, that's just sprinkles on ice cream. You know? On my bad days, I don't like it, but I'm content. I know you're with me. That's the place that God kind of wants us to be in. Yeah. So God will allow you to go through these sort of things. And will test your patience. So as it relates to handling on des- desperate situations, once again, we haven't had have a mindset that regardless of where we're going through good times, bad times, or out and out, desperate times, we've had a mindset of, I want to be positioned wherever God wants me to be. And not only be positioned there, but not let the focus always be about me. My goals, what I need. Me, 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 me. No, at least big. God, I'm going through. It's not resolved yet. But I know you're hearing me. I know you're aware of it. And you're going to bring me through it. And in this is all this, Lord, if there's anybody whose life I intersect with that you want me to be a blessing to, position me. Allow me to be used. Amen. Amen. And I consider it an awesome purpose. The life of Christ is not the life of selfishness, self-absorption, and narcissism. Oh, it's all about it. The life of Christ should be, in him I live and remove and have my being. And in my good times, I praise him and glorify him. And in my bad times, I praise him and glorify him anyway. Amen. Amen. And even in the good times, I don't boast of myself. I boast of the fact that he allowed me to be, able to be where Amen. I'm at. I'm Amen. Hallelujah. My mindset is always positioning me that I can be blessed, but if, even if I'm going too hard time, and realize I'm so <coughs> blessed, I have an opportunity to bless somebody else. Okay. Amen? Amen? It's also in the midst of my hardship. God may place somebody in there to request of me something that seems to be extreme or too hard or stretch me too thin. But if this is the voice of God, go with the flow of what God is doing. Because he might be stretching you as a means of starting a process of seed flowing into your life. You cannot close the doors and say, it's all about me. Let me circle the wagons and hold on to your life that I have. And then realize that God might test your faith. Don't think you're going to go through without any test in life. God may allow something to emerge in your life that will test you. And may even test you in the very areas that you felt the most confident in. Sometimes we just get too casual with God. So God might allow something to come to hit his right marriage where when we thought we were alive and mature, or oh, I don't have an issue with that. God may be like, all right, let's put it to the test and see what you're made of. Amen. Mm-hmm. So that's all we're going to cover for today. We'll continue on um, next week. Amen. Yes. I'll leave. Um, tonight I has some stuff to cover today. I don't want to go too fast with it, so we'll do it more next week. That Thank you all. Thank you. All right. Let's all stand and pray. Thank you, Jesus. Can we just still keep in mind that Pam okay, had anointed us all earlier. Hey, <coughs> just remember He brought to my remember that He um, led Pam to anoint everybody with the oil earlier. So I don't know everybody's situations. I don't know um, if anybody's going through times of desperation, but I know that we serve a God who's aware of everything. And that doesn't mean I don't pray for anybody every week. I do. But there's certain things that, even in our good times, you can make 50,000 dollars a year and still be desperate about something. Because it's all relative to the person. So we cannot assume by the dress or the song or anything that somebody may not be going through desperation or error. It could be I'm desperate to be healed at that <coughs> time. Amen. So we just want to all believe God together that He will meet our needs in the area of any desperate situations. Amen. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we praise the thank Father, we come together as a collective body, uplifting each other in faith and in unity. We praise and thank you, Father, that any areas in which we have a sense of desperation right now, Father, you require your peace, your mercy, your loving kindness, your provision upon us. Give us a sense of peace, Father. Let us even see, Father, the areas in which we felt stretched or challenged were not areas to uh, cripple us emotionally or spiritually, or areas in which the enemy is winning, but instead, they are areas in which you've allowed things to happen so that your glory may... um, and, uh, not only in our lives, but through our lives into the lives of other people. So we praise you right now, Father. Give us peace, give us wisdom, show us exactly how you would have us uh, position ourselves. If there's any needs that are expressed to us, Father, whether it's material, spiritual, emotional, Lord, let us be open and receptive to it. And once again, even if I share, that doesn't mean that we're called to respond to everything but let us have a sensitive ear to hear things that we ourselves with, Lord. And as we were here to and you do touch the area in which we feel, how can I possibly um, extend my love and my blessings in that area when I'm so limited? We pray, you, Father, that you would um, give us confidence in heart and mind that if you place that upon our spirit, Father, that's the exact area. And just by walking in obedience and walking with cheerfulness, Lord. You would not only demonstrate yourself to be the, the one that ministers seed to the soul in the first place, but you're the one that could not only meet the immediate need, but also cause a flow in our and a hearts in our life that will sustain us, even as we saw with the woman of Zarephath. And we've seen this over and over again in the Bible, the parable of the goats and the fishes. We've just seen so many different times, Father, bless you bless your people, the, the people of Israel. Holly in the wilderness that were set back for heaven. You've demonstrated time and time again that regardless of the method of delivery, Holly, even using a raven to deliver bread to a prophet, we can see over and over again in your word that no matter how desperate, desperate things may seem to be, that you feed, you nourish, protect, provide, <coughs> and sustain your people. So we praise you for that. And we ask you right now that in the exact areas where we have a sense of Desperation. First of all, the spirit of fear, we repent of that. And we ask you to cast that mindset, that spirit, that imagination uh, away from our minds and out of our hearts, and replace it with godly boldness and confidence in you. And we just praise you, Father, that you would demonstrate in a powerful way how you're going to sustain us, how you're going to heal us, how you're going to enable us to overcome those circumstances and be a blessing in the lives of others. And we just praise and thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, Amen. Amen. Thank you.